0: In the book of Proverbs at the moment, but we'll, we'll start from Proverbs or we'll be thinking about Proverbs and we will head um, into the direction of these um, texts found in Matthew and Romans. And we're thinking about this idea of, of wisdom, particularly how we might live wise now. And today uh, we're thinking about uh, the idea of wisdom and justice. And I want to start with a little um, question for you, just something for you to think about. Would you say that our world, the world that we live in, is just or unjust would you say that the world that we live in is just or unjust um or would you say the world that we live in is getting more just or is it getting less just um the last on the last but one president of the united states um mr obama he had a few um phrases that he said that i that i liked I wonder what you think about them. He he said on one occasion, "There's no better time to live um, than to live now," because of because of the way that the world is now. He also said, and this this is he said this phrase a few times, and again I like this phrase, but I don't know I don't know what you'll think of it. He says the arc of human history points towards justice. The arc of human history would point towards justice. I think he's saying it's getting better. It's getting better, and yet. And I hear what he's saying, and part of me looks around and I think, well, yeah, yeah. And yet, I will watch the ten o'clock news tonight with my kids, as is it seems to be the Gibson family way. And I'll watch a couple of items, and I'll need to, I'll need to send the kids to bed. I'll need to filter the news. I'll become aware um, of how much injustice there is in the world, and and be and realize again fact that I don't want to expose them to all that just yet because there's so much injustice out there. So the question that sits over um, the talk, if you like, at the moment is how do we live just in an unjust world? Do we do we, you know, how do how do we how do we live wisely rather in a in an unjust in an unjust world? Do we try and change it? Do we accept it? Do we hide from it? What do we do? Um, so a, f- a few notes from the Proverbs. I think the Proverbs tells us a few things about, about what injustice is. The first thing I think that it tells us is that with Christianity, justice is part of the deal. With With faith in a holy God, justice comes along as part of the deal. A desire for justice comes along as part of the deal. So when you're thinking about... If you, if, particularly if you're watching this and you're not somebody of faith, if you're thinking about what the deal is, if you're thinking about what you're signing up to, or if you're thinking about what you've signed up to, if you're already a Christian, or if, you, or if you're thinking this is what, you know, you need to be aware, of, this is what you're rejecting, it is, yeah, when you think about what it means to be a Christian, you're thinking about lots of things. You're thinking about, well, I need to maybe improve my language. What will I need to dress like? Well, I need to go to church. You're thinking about all, all these things. What it is in a sort of a primary way is that its people are to be advocates for justice. Um, this, this brilliant uh, brilliant moment, I've not got the text on the on the screen, it's in Matthew 25, 31 to 40, if you're listening back and you want to pause and you want to have a look at the text, it's it's, it's worth reading, and I'm sorry we, we, we can't share it, but I'll, I'll read it out for you. This is just this brilliant uh, moment when, and, it, and it's it's in a group of stories that Matthew puts together, uh, where Jesus is telling parables about end times, what it will be like at the end of human history. And, and then there gets, they gets this, this is brilliant moment when Jesus talks about, he stops telling stories, as it were, stops telling parables, and he gets very, he gets literal about what it's going to be like. And he talks about the kind of people who are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he describes people, so I'll read it out to you, so listen into to the text. But he describes people who are actively caring for the poor, as becoming citizens of heaven. Let me read this text to you. So it's just a little it's, it's quite a few verses but just bear with it. It's a really it's a really cool informing uh, story. It says this from verse 31 when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels are with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. Quite a picture. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will pour he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in on needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did that for me. So here's. Here's what happens in that little text. The king, the king meets some people and, and they don't think that they've met him. And he, he pays tribute to them for the way that they've treated him. And they're thinking as they look towards this king, we I'm not sure we deserve this. I'm pretty sure we've not seen a king or done anything. You know, they're humbled by this moment. They're thinking, we've not really met a king. We've not engaged with a king. And then the king says, King Jesus says, whatever you've done, for the least of these, whatever you've done for the poor people, it's like you've done that, honey. And Jesus is talking here about the end of all things. He's talking about the journey towards eternity. He's talking about the rewards of heaven. And it's the, the way he describes it. It's not like if you want to get to heaven, you should you should start caring for the poor. You know, if you want to get the heaven ticket, go and you know start start caring for the poor. It's more It's more like the kind of people that are in heaven, the kind of people that are heading towards heaven, the kind of people that are going to be there, are the kind of people who are just looking out for the poor. It's just the way that they are if they've encountered this living God, if they've encountered this Jesus. So have a look at these um, Proverbs with me. Uh, Proverbs 14, 31 says, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for the maker. Whoever is, is kind to the needy honors God. And the, the second uh, proverb I want to share with you is a, even more direct than that, about, about how a faithful, God-fearing Christian should think about the idea of justice. Proverbs 19, verse 17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Think about that as a concept. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Here's the, the first thing that I think Proverbs reminds us about, about justice, about living wisely, is that it's part of the deal. It's not something that we have to search for that becomes a deal breaker. It's just something that is becomes part of the nature of somebody who is looking to head towards the kingdom of god who's moved by this story of faith and just as i think just now as i think about this as i think about the fact that we're heading back to church i think well what are we heading back to what are we getting so excited about trying to trying to stir people up um, to meet together and have a coffee together and sing together and all that kind of thing and it, and in part it's um it's because i want you know because we know what church is and we know what it does but in part as well it's because we are stirred i want because God calls together a bunch of people um, to be stirred and to be moved um, by the injustices in, in the world. We were thinking a little bit about, at the start about the cafe and about other, we call them ministries, other ventures that we have. And sometimes it can feel a little bit like we're just trying to fill the week. and But actually, what it, at its essence, it's a response to this call of the king. Um, and this recognition that we, are, we should be moved uh, by any injustice out there. That's the first thing. The second thing that Proverbs teaches us, I think, is that justice is intuitive. It's an intuitive desire, not just for Christians, but for humans. Uh, we have an incredibly strong... And I want you to think maybe as you're watching, in, where does this, where does this come from? We have an incredibly strong desire... For justice we're incredibly aware of justice even from you know even from when you're a tiny when you're a tot if you've ever been to a mums and tots group there's just incredibly some kid comes along and pulls a toy out of another kid's hand there's an incredibly strong sense of um right and wrong you know it's intuitive from from you know from the get-go and and that carries on right the way through life into adulthood when you watch you know you watch like me. You watch the news or something, and you see and you know a really unjust event on the news, and your heart's broken, and you and and you you and you you ache for justice. There's this strong desire for justice. Now, where does that is the question? Where does that come from? Let me share two more proverbs with you that speak about this, or that maybe reveal why they're here. Proverbs 39, 31, verse eight and nine says, "Speak up." For those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge freely, defend the rights of the poor and needy. And then another one, um, which I think maybe speaks more into this this kind of thinking, Proverbs 18 verse 5 says, It's not good to be partial to the wicked and so deprive the innocent of justice. It's, it's it's it speaks into uh, the very essence of our humanity, doesn't it? It just says it's not good. It's like it's almost saying, you know, this is not good, don't you? It's it's almost like it's saying, you 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 you, you human beings, you know when you're messing up, and you know that there is a, you you know that you have a sense of justice. Now, where does this come from? I guess is a little sidebar question you could put underneath it. You could. You know, a lot of people would look at the world, and sometimes you might you might feel this as somebody of, of faith, even. You might look at the world and go, man, it's so unjust. How can there possibly be a God? Or you could look at it and say, man, my heart aches at the injustice in the world. Now, where on earth does that come from? What on earth could that point to? If we're just um, floating around on a big uh, ball of dust and gas, why does my heart ache? Uh, when there's injustice in the world. Anyway, second question to put underneath as, as you're thinking that stuff through. Mm-hmm. Given, given our desire for justice, given the human desire for justice, given our knowledge, whether whether you're a Christian or not, that justice is a good thing, why have human beings failed to realize justice? Why Why have we not been able to achieve it? Why in however many thousands of years that we've been here, with this ache for human for justice, you know the, the fact that we've constantly looked out on the planet and ate, and we know that it's a good thing. Why have we not managed to achieve it? Jesus, I think, gives us gives us a gives us a bunch of reasons, and I am going to highlight two. Um, so listen to this, and, and you know, see what you think about these two reasons. I think that Jesus gives, and we're going to refer back to that text in Matthew as we think about these things. Two reasons Jesus gives. As to why human beings struggle to achieve justice. So the first one, and I guess this, these are these are like nuts and bolts of the sermon moments. If you want to, if you're having your tea late tonight and you want to try and, what did he say? You know, you want to have that moment where you go, what what did he say again? The speaker, what was he talking about? And you go like, I can't remember. Then these are the two things that, that hopefully should get you back on track, if if you want to get back on track. First first thing that Jesus points out in the human struggle for justice, I think, is that you can't. One of the things he says, and it goes against the grain of everything that human beings have tried, he says, you can't prescribe or legislate for justice. And just like that, thinking you can't prescribe it, you can't legislate towards justice. Second thing that I think Jesus says is, he says, and this is even, I think, yeah, a bit more of a shocker. He says, You've, you need to see yourselves, if there's going to be justice in the world, You, you, me, everybody else needs to see themselves as part of the injustice. You've got to see yourselves as part of the wrong. So Jesus points these two things out. So there's this awesome, in fact, let's just read this um, text together. It's in Matthew 23, um, 23 to 26. It's this incredibly insightful moment in the Bible. And it's essentially Jesus is having a, there is a, a debate, conflict, argument with religious leaders about what righteousness is but and he identifies the struggle in, in religious people but I think there's lessons for all of humanity in the way that Jesus deals with this he sort of speaks into our human struggle um, for justice and a little footnote in terms of helping understand the text and text like this um, the word righteousness comes up a lot in Matthew's gospel and it comes up a lot in Paul's letter particularly to the Romans and that sort of thing and we have a strong sense of what righteousness is one of the things that some commentators John Stott is at pains to point this out he's a I don't know I was going to say a good commentator I'm not going to use that he's a commentator who I uh, trust particularly he says that this the idea of righteousness and justice are incredibly close together the words it's almost like when you came to write the version of the Bible in English you really had to work hard to separate these two things out. Now, to us reading them thousands of years later, they feel like quite different things. Righteousness and justice as concepts in the Bible almost intertwined, almost overlap. So let me just read out just a little bit of this um, of this text here. War to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, uh, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And then I think, I think this is Jesus, as far as I can figure it out, this is almost, this is a joke, I think at the Pharisees' expense. He says, you blind guides. And he liked the use of a, a, a camel in a joke um, to make a point, to Jesus. He says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. So have a think about what you think, you might think that might mean, that little this little dialogue that Jesus is giving. Here's here's my offer. Jesus is saying of the Pharisees, you'd rather you'd rather go to all the trouble, you'd you enjoy more um, the routine and the task of um, scrupulously weighing out a tenth of these spices. You'd rather do that. You'd rather spend your time doing that. You get that, than engage with the huge big idea. So the conflict is a little bit about tithing as far as I can see. It, you'd you'd rather faff around with all the detail of that than actually think about what tithing is all about. This idea of um sacrificing for the for the greater good. Um this idea, you know, this 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 huge this huge big concept that that underpins what tithing is. Jesus says, you'd rather Faff around with the weighing scales. You'd rather make sure that that part of it is right than actually think about what, what tithing is all about. You'd rather spend all day, and this is uh, this is me trying to explain Jesus' joke at the end here, I think, of verse 24. He said, you'd, you'd rather spend all day trying to strain out a gnat. So when they used to try and drink water, they used to have to, they'd, they'd They'd use like a sieving mechanism so they won't drink any bugs. He said, you'd rather, you know, endlessly, ceaselessly try and strain out and miss the bug. And you might miss the bug, but you'd still end up smoking, uh, smoking, you'd do well to smoke a camel. You'd end up choking on a camel. He's saying you can, human beings, religious leaders in particular, but I think this spreads out to all human beings. We'd rather spend all of our time easier to spend our time focusing on the on the details isn't it than having to deal with the actual huge big problem I don't know if you're aware you, you'll have seen the the, the leaders of the G7 suited and booted on a beach uh, in Cornwall um, and I guess essentially what they're when they meet up for their beach barbecues and whatever else they get up to these world leaders I had a little look into their the remit of the G7, you know, the ideals of the G7. And it's basically, you know, it's organization that's there to take care of the world sort of idea. You know, make sure there's, there's the inequalities are minimalized and, and all the rest of it. And I'm sure, at, you know, at heart, that's the ideal. And yet the meetings, uh, when they sit down around these tables, they'll be focusing on details and documents and policies. And it will get more and more and more. And all like necessary and everything else. Just the way... Things go, and and the journalists and the public like us will pick over it, and we'll get even more, you know, finicky about everything. We and and this so there's this whole endeavour to look after the whole world, and yet we're at, what will actually happen is we'll just get lost in the detail. It's just what human beings do when we think about the relationships that we have um, with each other. I think this is probably, as a say this as a as a married person, this is probably probably a. Um, yeah, would happen a lot in marriages. You can have these these problems that that come along into marriages, into into relationships. These dif- difficult, you know, big difficult things, and yet we'd rather, wouldn't we? Or it's easier, or it just happens that way that you end up arguing your own little. So this is almost confessional as I'm talking about this. You end up arguing your own little. Um, you, 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 argue, you end up about the details, you argue about the details, and you end up arguing about the minute specifics in the kind of way that you've done things right. Even though you, when you set off in, you know, in dialogue and in conversation, you seek to rectify this issue, you end up talking about the, the specifics. Same thing's happen in church. On the face of it, we, when we come together as church, when we all come back in a month, we all look each other in the eye and go, yeah, we ache for injustice. Um, but actually, when we get into organising stuff, often we end up having planning meetings that are about paint colours and a million other incidental little things. And it's just what human beings do. We'd rather, or we just end up losing ourselves in the detail. And often, often in our lives, we we end up choking on the camel. We we just miss we miss. Um, the issues at heart, we miss them. The huge injustices that are out there, even though that's what's on our minds, we end up in the minutiae of the detail and we go there. Jesus makes clear something I think that we know as human beings. We know this, you can't be just, you can't achieve a culture of justice just by sticking to rules or writing more rules down. It requires something bigger. Let me footnote that this little section with another proverb. Proverbs 21 and 3 says, to do what's right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So anybody who's read the Bible will see how big a deal sacrifice is, particularly in Hebrew culture, the idea of sacrifice. And it's almost like God's saying, I know that you know sacrifice. I know that you go to do sacrifice. And I know that that comes from me. That's that's my idea. But there's something bigger than that, There's an ideal behind that that you can miss To do what is right and just Is more acceptable to the Lord Than sacrifice So in this moment again Verse 25 um, What are you teachers of the law And Pharisees Remember we're thinking about um, How this passage will help us understand What justice is And the human errors that we can make In trying to achieve justice What are you teachers of the law And Pharisees You hypocrites You clean the outside of the cup and dish. Um, so Jesus is having a go there, washing up, essentially. I've received a bit of criticism in the past about my washing up. I received a bit today. Um, Jesus says here, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside uh, will be clean. What's Jesus saying? It's pretty obvious, really, what he's saying in this moment. People who wash the outside of their pots, lesson for anyone who's wondering how to do the dishes, won't produce clean contents. The contents are defined by what's inside. It's really pointed what Jesus is saying to these people. And the message reverberates, I think, to anybody who's watching and listening. Justice, as these, these Pharisees, I guess, are people who, who are in the position of leading people towards perfect justice. That's what they're there for. And that's what they're, they're arguing about with Jesus. Justice, Jesus says, doesn't matter how clean the outside of your pot is. It doesn't matter how well you can present yourself. Justice requires people to see themselves in the problem. And, and what had happened in the Hebrew justice system is it, it, it had become something that instead of bringing total justice, you know, equaling, leveling out, it had separated people. It had elevated certain people, and it had kept other people down. Now, our justice system, I think, is—you know—as we look around the world, you might say it's a good; it's not a bad system, but it's, it's still a huge culture in our just, justice system that created within us of, well, I'm better than them, or at least I'm not that bad, or that's the real baddie, etc., etc. What does the Bible say about all this sort of stuff? It says we're, we're all messed up we're all, and this is the damning verdict, we're all causations of injustice. So if you read through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, um, when Jesus gives this sort of sermon, <clears throat> he doesn't just um, condemn an adulterer. He says, well, everyone, lust, you're all you're all in trouble here. He doesn't just condemn the murderer. He said, everyone can get filled with hate. The Bible you know, huge, big point of the Bible. The Bible says justice can't come until everybody is able to look at themselves and see themselves culpable. Proverbs 21, 29 says, like this is a great we proverb. Proverbs 21, 29. The wicked put up a bold front. The wicked put up a bold front, but the upright give thought to their ways. The wicked put up a bold front. But the upright, the just, are able to look at themselves and see themselves as part of the story. Now, I don't know where you're at with this sermon on injustice. Maybe you've just watched the footy and you're thinking, I'm feeling pretty good about life and I was really hoping you were going to say um, there's some real obvious baddies in the world. Um, as for you Christians, crack on, you're all doing a great job. Um, injustice is bad, but we don't, we've got no part in it. And yet, essentially, if you go back over what I'm saying, saying the world's unjust... And you kind of go, I knew that. Um, The injustice is really complex. It's kind of ingrained. It's almost an impossible problem. Needs everyone to look at themselves. There's no amount of legislation that's gonna fix it. Great news, Ash, thanks for that. And on top of that, you're saying, I'm culpable. Thanks, great. And part of me says that and I'm like, don't really wanna give that kind of sermon, especially after England have won. I'd rather have some sort of upbeat a moment but part of me doesn't mind that on a sermon on injustice or justice that we feel it do you know what i mean we feel the ache of it i kind of don't want to talk about it. i don't i don't want you to watch the news tonight and see something terrible and just be able to switch off from it I, I want us to i want it to resonate so let's go back to that question in that how how then given all this how on earth can we live wise lives in the midst of all this injustice like we said at the start do we ignore it do we distract ourselves do we just go in a corner and cry what do we do i just want to share one verse to wrap it up it's um two verses two verses romans 1 16 and 17 which i think sheds an incredibly helpful light on this whole thing and this is the end of the this is the end of the talk and it almost as i'm thinking about how the sermon's gone it's, it's been a lot of oh, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough. And this is the real light at the end of the tunnel. There's a big, um, what I would say is a big Bible theme that runs through the Bible that Paul picks up on and he eloquates in this couple of verses. And it's kind of, even though you live in really unjust times, I think this this is what I would say the Bible says to us, even though you live now in really unjust times, and I think the Bible does say that, it says that, First bit of Romans, Romans chapter one. You've seen enough, not just to wait on future justice, but to be able to live it now. Even though you live in really unjust times, big Bible point, you've seen enough, not just to wait on future justice, but to live in it now. Let me read out uh, Romans and please read it out with me. Even go to the trouble of reading it out aloud if you want at home. It's such an awesome. It's an awesome verse, and I often wonder, like as I read it today, I'll be really honest with you, I scribbled in me one of my older Bibles because I felt like I saw it in a new light. So maybe um, I think the Bible can do that. Read it again with me, and maybe read it out out loud because I think the Bible can speak again to us. Romans 1, 16 to 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, for in the gospel the righteousness of god is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as it's written the righteous will live by faith i'm going to read it again and just remind you of that little that little point i made earlier by a good commentator mr john stott who says there's very little difference between the biblical idea particularly when paul uses the word of righteousness and justice let me read it again for i'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of god that brings salvation to everyone who believe first to the jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the justice of God is revealed. A justice that is by faith from first to last. Just as it's written, the just will live by faith. What's going on here? Verse 16, we see Paul's been powerfully, wonderfully saved. The good news has saved him. How has it saved him? What is it to live by faith? Verse 17, get your head around this. You've read this verse a few times. Have another look at it. The good news of Jesus, in, in receiving the good news of Jesus, in, in getting what the gospel was, he got, he grasped what perfect justice was. That's what he got. That's what he got his head around. As he looked at the gospel story, as he looked at it, as he was convicted by what he saw in Jesus, he understood Maybe for the first time, he saw it was revealed to him the nature of perfect justice. And what it meant for him, so think about Paul's character. Think about what he was like, how he was zealous for the law. But it meant he moved past that zealousness for the law. Or that obsession with the minutia of the law. And he moved into its greater purposes. And not only did he do that, but it meant he was able to see himself for the very first time As culpable in all of this sinful mess, and he says on the back of it, based on this realization, he could go on and live by faith. Now, often I think we think about what it means to live by faith, and often we quote, we say, don't we? Yeah, I'm living by faith. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm living by faith. I'm gonna, I'm. Will I go down this road? Will I go down that road? You know, it it can be that kind of thing, can it? I'm I'm living, I'm living by faith. I've said it a hundred million times. What do we actually mean when we say that we are living? by faith what it meant for paul was to say that he looked at that gospel story that good news about jesus and he understood what justice was he he saw it in jesus he saw it as he, as he saw the story of jesus on that on that cross and he was changed because of it and to live by faith for him was to always no matter what he was doing for the rest of his life was to always to look back onto that moment That was the thing that shaped him, that sense of justice. That was the chip. That was the game changer. This is what the cross does to us, I think. It shows us ultimately that God's dealing with justice. He's going to deal with it. It gives us confidence that he can deal with it in an ultimate sense. But it does more than that. It shows us a way to live now. If we live by faith, we are always going to see ourselves as part of the story. If, if, we've, if we've even looked at that cross one single time, we're always gonna know that we're culpable. If we live by faith, we're, we can't stay stuck in the semantics of our own righteousness. We can't look at that story and not be moved towards something bigger. That's the heart of what justice is.
1: Thanks, Ash. A really interesting talk, I thought. Um, some really significant issues raised. Yeah, at the minute you can't help but look at the news, can you, and be sort of overwhelmed by what's going on. Whether it's, uh, you know, refugees, whether it's COVID, the inequality. I mean, inequality is right in our face, isn't it? At the minute.
0: I mean, I I, I think a lot. Of, I, I quite I'm, I don't know if I, I don't know if you should make a political opinion, but I quite enjoy a lot of what Obama has had to say. And that quote in particular, I've you know, the idea that. Um, It's played on my mind. I probably shouldn't say I like it. It's really, it's stuck in my mind a lot. The idea that the arc of human history points towards justice, and I kind of, and part of me looks at it and thinks, in a lot of ways, it does. Um, And yet, I, I can't get. I, I don't know. The, I I don't think we've. Part of me looks at the world. On the one hand, I think I don't know really if we've progressed that much. There's still so much. In Inju- you know injustice in the world, we've got all these history books and that tell us about what war does and what um, what certain styles of government do and certain ideals do, and yet we we're still where we are. There's still huge amounts of yeah. the world's still an unjust, imperfect place. I I think
1: I, mean, I was encouraged thinking about it to think like you say, yeah, justice is part of the deal, as you said. You know, the bite is littered, isn't it, with God hates impartiality. I mean, I particularly enjoy in Proverbs, there's a few characters in Proverbs that get um, get get it in the neck a few times. And one of them is the, uh, the unjust scales, the idea that people who have these weighing scales that aren't, don't weigh out fairly, it's very yeah. strong. God hates that. And I wonder actually if we should, you know, just in conversations with people at work, you know, these things come up, let's probably, I'm guilty of being too. I don't want to say anything because, you know, it's not the right place. But actually, you know, we should reclaim that territory a little bit. God, God is, God is right there in confronting the injustice. And, it's,
0: um, it's definitely in the remit, and it's not something that's just. It's definitely you know right throughout the meta narrative of the whole text, right at the at the heart of it. Sometimes when you read through books like Isaiah and the, these weighty poetic books, yeah, it's just soaked in. God hates this. Yeah. He hates the, he, whatever, you know, whatever else, however else you want to try and understand God, he hates the injustice. And and I, f- I found the, the text that we looked at there in Matthew, I'm really sorry I didn't put it up on the screen, Matthew 25, 31 to 40, just compelling when when he says, whatever you did to the least, when Jesus is saying, whatever you did to the least of these, you did you did to me. And the, the just the idea of that, the, the, you know, the Proverbs as well, whoever is kind to the poor lends, Lends to the the Lord just this idea that we are, that somewhere in our faith story is just connected, it's just part of the, it's it's part of our identity, it's part of who we are. I think it's almost like you can't acknowledge there's a God who created the whole thing, who loves everyone, who's got this ideal for creation. You can't come to that perspective and then not you know not care about each other. You know I, I think it maybe you know maybe it looks like lots of different things, but it does mean that. So part of me often when when I watch the the news which is i'm one of them people who puts the news on at 10 o'clock and wants to go i can't watch this story about palestine and israel i can't watch it again i can't i just can't sleep for it but part part of me thinks that part of my identity as a christian it, it, part of the ache i have is because is because of because of my faith because of the you know the the god story that's that's in my life and and part of me thinks that means I'm going to have to carry on. It, you know, it—the fact that it aches is not a—it's uncomfortable for me, and I'd rather distract myself and watch match today or whatever else it is. But I think there's—it's no bad thing for a Christian that it's that we ache and that we recognise that that's an ache for us because it probably it should be.
1: Okay, go on then. So there's the time is short, and and I think just just to close then, because I think one of the one of the points you put across quite well was that yes there's there's an outward looking sense of injustice but then we've also got to very much look at our own lives and consider you know our own hearts first as well in terms of um cleaning the inside of the cup as well as the outside what if there was one action for ourselves in terms of looking at ourselves and one action in terms of how we interact with the world what would you what would you say is there anything particularly one
0: one thing that we can do sort of internally i i think it's enough to to um well, those those two things to look to look at ourselves, to to be able to, and to do that would would mean I think you'd have to get I I find that you have to get up nearly every day and it and and be and I was gonna I was nearly said determined to do it but I think that's probably that's probably arguing against the sermon that I've just given I don't think you can determine to do it I think that's why it's it's a it's a faith in the cross story I think that's why we that's why we have a story like the cross which just stops you in your in your tracks, so I think, yeah, the the I mean, it's the Sunday school answer again, but it would be to look towards Jesus a bit more if you if um, if if you want to have if you want to be able to look at yourself. I think the only, that's the only way to. It's the only thing that's broken through with me. That'd be the only thing I could say. Mm-hmm. It's a constant wrestling match for me, not to particularly. I get in the car or something like that, and I want to look at. So I want to go. Oh, there. They, you know i I make absolute statements to go oh they always do that this this all, oh, you know woe is me sort of stuff and I think the only the only thing that challenges that speaks into it with any power in my life is the story of the cross so I think yeah to that, that's why I think that's why I think the gospel is that's one of the reasons I think it's good news you know and I think that's one of the reasons we say when, we've got to be careful when we talk about how we live by faith because I think to live by faith is to have that sort of influence. You know, on us all the time. I've, I've rambled. You've asked me for a concise thing, and I've uh,
1: no. That's that's no. That's perfect. Thank you. Thanks, Ash. Well, thank you, everyone. I think we'll, we'll draw it to a close there, uh, given the time. Um, just to say, this is the last of our series for now, looking into the Book of Proverbs. We will be coming back to it later in the year, so do watch this space. Next week, we're starting a new series looking at some of the Psalms. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about that next next week. So please come back next week. Um, thank you for joining, and uh, take care, and God bless.
0: Go oh, bless.